Tonight is November 14th, 2018, and the title of tonight's message is Firewalker. Subtitle, Committed to the Process. So let's jump straight into the Word. Turn to Isaiah 43, and uh, as you guys turn there, and as I turn there, We'll make note that uh, they took the clock down off the back wall, so we're going to be here a while. Isaiah 43, let me know when you're there. All right. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. The very timely that we talk about Israel at the beginning of this. This is the Lord's promise to his chosen Israel's only savior. This is a scripture that, uh, that my family and I have been dwelling on for quite some time. Um, pastors, I don't know how you do it. My beautiful wife sitting here on the front row. Usually she's beside me, helping me out, and, uh, she's very distracting. So you guys are probably gonna have to help get me back on track. So Isaiah 43. So about, uh, let's roll this back several weeks, about a week before uh, the One Association Conference. Uh, my wife gave me this word. She gave me this uh, this stone. And uh, we were talking to each other. We were discussing some different uh, different things that, that we're struggling with. And this is a stone that she gave me, uh, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, uh, to counteract the fear, the fear of failure. And so I had been looking it over, uh, discussing it with her. And, and uh, as we went to the One Association Conference, you know, we, we, we walked up, we knew the Lord was going to do something, uh, because it actually, the theme of the conference had to do with our mezuzah. So clearly the Lord was going to, uh, restoration of desolate places was the theme of the one association conference this year. And our mezuzah has to do with restoration. So, okay, Lord, what do you want to speak to us while we're here? So while we're there at the conference, uh, we already have a scripture that we're just, I'm just rolling over in my head. And on Saturday morning, there was a prophecy. That was given, and uh, for those of you that um, that are unfamiliar with us, uh, typically prophecy uh, will be confirmed by by a word, uh, definitely by the spirit that's inside of you. But this prophecy was given by one of our elders' wives, and I just want to highlight just a, a few things. If you want to read the whole thing, ask Abimbola. He did us a great honor by typing this up for us. Uh, but these are just a few lines from it. It says, but this is the season, says the Lord, where I will begin to perfect you. He says, I'm going to, uh, you're going to complete the task. It says, I'm beginning to finish the work so that you can complete the call that you have upon your life. You must humble yourself before you can perform the work that I've called you to. So this prophecy comes forth. Immediately after this prophecy, someone stands up and gives Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. So I'm, I'm eyeballing Natalie. I'm like, okay, obviously the Lord wants to do something with this in us. 
So from there we begin to study, we begin to dig in, and this is just a little bit of revelation. Uh, obviously you guys see the title of the Sermon Firewalker, and you, you see that in verse 2. Um, but let's talk about what our perception of a firewalker is. Uh, I have a few a few slides that, that might help us figure out what firewalking is. If we can go to the first picture and be over here. I know you guys can see that. It's... Uh, I was uh, discussing with with Buddy and, uh, you know, just what the Lord was was speaking through us and what he's been doing us. And this is the picture that he sent us. Uh, if you can't see it, it's a it's a man walking through coals, uh, clean shaven or maybe the, you know, I said, Buddy, what's wrong with this picture? It's like, I don't know what's wrong. It's like this guy doesn't have a beard. He's walking through fire and doesn't have a beard. But apparently what happened is the fire burnt the beard off as he was going through the coals. So when you see those times where Justin Treaser shows up clean shaven, it's not because he has a new job. It's because he's walking through the fire. That's actually what happens. It actually burns the beard off. Um, let's roll to the next picture. Some of you may think of this when you think of Firewalker. Uh, you see the feet touching the coals, uh, pretty live coals. We move on to the next picture. This is the one I like. Yeah, I know. I know, right? This is how we all picture ourselves, right, men? Yeah? Dancing through the fire, doing some kind of little, I don't even know. So is this, a, this is the kind of thing that comes to your mind when you see a firewalker. Uh, move to the next picture, because I was looking through things about firewalker. Those of you from uh, that have visited or from South Africa, this might be familiar. This is a, a statue that's there in the, uh, in the capital city. It is, uh, it is called the Firewalker statue. It uh, represents a woman, the women who used to, uh, take coals, put them on their head and take them to the market to sell to other people so they could cook their food, so they could keep the fire going. So they would take the fire that they had and they would take it to others so that they could have sustenance, so they could keep the fire going, keep the heat on, those kinds of things. There's a statue. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone has actually seen that. No, we have some people that have visited South Africa from South Africa. Uh, but that is a statue there. So in, in talking about Firewalker, um, and if we can move on to, uh, we've got one more picture. Is that right? So I'm dating myself circa 1986. When I hear Firewalker, I think of Chuck Norris, uh, Luke Gossett Jr. It's a movie they made. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is actually the first film that was directed by Chuck Norris's beard. That's why he's clean shaven there because his beard was directing at the time. Came back on later. So this is what I think when I think of Firewalker. Uh, but I like that middle picture going through the coals and dancing through the coals. So uh, now that we have a, a good picture of what a Firewalker looks like, let's get back into the Word. Amen? Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. What it means to walk through the fire. It says, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. See that phrase in there, walk through the fire. Uh, it has a little bit deeper meaning. Uh, being who I am, I like to dig apart the words and uh, get into the structures, the, the paleo and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm taking these three words, walk through the fire. And I'll just mention them. We do have some slides for that as well. That first word, walk. The word walk is halak. And I know I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of teachers in here, a bunch of students. And so you probably already understand this word, halak. Uh, 1980 means to go 
to walk, to come, to depart, to proceed, to move, to go away. Uh, also linked to a, to a way of life, halakha, uh, a way of life. Um, if you are more interested in the paleo, go see someone that, that knows. I'm not going to get too deep in that. But as I did that, as I researched the actual letters of the word, the hey, the lama, the kaf, what came out is what it means to walk is to have a revelation that yokes you to the open hand of God. As you're walking, you're having a revelation that secures you to the Lord's hand. And when it's an open hand, he can guide you. He can take you anywhere he wants to. So these walk, this journey that, uh, that you're on, maybe, maybe it doesn't look quite like you expected. But when you have that revelation, you stay faithful to stay in the Lord's hand so that you can be moved wherever he desires to move you. Amen. The second word, through. It's a pretty simple word, um, Hebrew word, bimau, means in, at, or by, it's through, which is obviously what through means. But as I uh, broke down the actual letters, the bet and mem and vav, it means to, uh, that in the midst of chaos, he is adding to you, or he is securing you. So you're walking through, through the fire, and you're in the midst of the fire, in the midst of that chaos, what seems like is something that's going to hurt you, he's actually adding something to you. It's actually securing something to you. He's driving something deep down inside of you. The last word, fire, is the Hebrew word esh, ish, ish. Uh, it is a fire, flames, a supernatural fire accompanying theophany. Could be a fire for cooking, a roasting, an altar fire, or it figuratively could be God's anger. And it's only made up of two letters, an aleph or a shin. And what that what that means to me is that it's a picture of the leader sharpening you. It's a picture of the leader pressing you. Uh, and it depending on what side of the stick you're on, it could be the leader consuming you or dividing you, depending on where your heart is, depending on where your trust is at. So when we put that phrase together, walk through the fire, uh, this is what walking through the fire looks like. It means having a revelation that binds you to the open hand of God. So that in the midst of chaos, he secures you and adds to you by sharpening and pressing you with his strong power. That's what it means to walk through the fire. Holding on to something that God is giving you. Holding on to a revelation that takes you through this process. It's being committed to a process. Walking through the fire is not just, uh, we saw those other pictures, a guy's just dancing around on the coals. That's not the fire. Fire is, that's, that's, a, that's an event. That's probably, if that's me, that's about all it will. It wouldn't be me in the first place. Um, I'm not going to do that. But if it was me, that would last all of 12 seconds. I'm getting over that thing as fast as possible. But when the Lord says, we'll walk through the fire and not be burned, it's, uh, for some, for it's, it could be a lifetime. And it's a process. It actually, it is a lifetime. It's a continuous process in our life that causes us to trust in the Lord. So let's talk a little bit more about what it means to walk through the fire. We're still in Isaiah 43. And put a marker there because we'll probably flip back and forth a little bit. Isaiah 43. In verse 1. Skip halfway down. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. In verse 2 it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And key in on verse 3 as well. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
You see, the Lord is saying to his people, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. He says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. See, the Lord knows what lies ahead on the journey. He knows the plan. He's already, he's already set out the plan. He's already called us. He's already set us apart. Even before we were born, he knows the plans that he has for us, plans to prosper us. So he knows what lies ahead on the journey. So what he does is he strengthens us and he encourages us ahead of time. He surrounds us. You see, even in the layout of the scripture, if you're looking at your Bible, it wouldn't be on the screen. In verse 1, he says, fear not. And in verse 3, he says, I am the Lord your God. Well, what's in between fear not and I'm the Lord your God? Walking the fire. Exactly. You're walking through the fire. So he already knows ahead of time you're going to go through this journey. So the Lord is surrounding us, encouraging us, telling us, do not fear. He's encouraging us, saying, I'm the Lord your God. I'm with you wherever you will go. And he knows you're going to walk through the fire because he just told you you're going to walk through the fire. But he also told you you're not going to get burned. Amen. So let's look at a few instances of the Lord encouraging us even before we begin to walk through the fire. Turn to Exodus 3, verse 13. Let me know when you're there. I have markers in my Bible and I'm still not there. Exodus 3, verses 13 through 14. Moses said to God, so this is God and Moses having a conversation. He's just stood on the mountain. He's just, he's looking at this, uh, this shrubbery that's on fire and he's, uh, in awe, struck wonder. Like, why is this thing not being burned up? Why is this not being consumed? Uh, and so he's having this conversation with the Lord and God's telling him, you're going to go back to Egypt. I know you haven't been there in 40 years, but you're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to deliver my people. It's by thinking, well, uh, Lord, I tried this already once and it really didn't work out so well for me. That's why I'm here on the far side of the desert with these sheep. And so Moses is having this conversation, doubting that he's going to be able to do this. And this is the conversation they're having, starting again in verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, so those words, that combination of words, that Yahweh Elohim, we see that in Isaiah 43 and verse 3. It says, the Lord your God. It's Yahweh Elohim. So the Lord is encouraging Moses, Yahweh Elohim, I'm with you. I am the existence of everything, and I am the ruler over everything. I will be with you. Don't be afraid. So Moses goes. The conversation carries on. But let's flip over to a couple of chapters, to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we'll pick up with another conversation. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, 7, and 8. This is Moses talking. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. 
or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We see these words, do not be afraid, over and over again. We see the Lord encouraging him not to be afraid. It says, the Lord your God, I'll be with you. Even that word go, the Lord your God goes with you. That's halak. He's walking. The Lord's actually going to walk with you as you go into the promised land. It says the Lord himself goes. The Lord himself halaks before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So the very things that the Lord encouraged Moses back in Exodus were now in Deuteronomy towards the end of Moses's journey. And he's encouraging Joshua. He's encouraging the people there. So we now have Moses telling Joshua and the people, do not be afraid. The Lord is going to be with you. Let's move two more pages. You guys tracking with me? All right. To Joshua chapter one. It's a familiar verse. We even write songs about it. Rock, Kazak, Amats. We're going to skip that verse. We're going to go to verse nine. This is the Lord actually doubling down on Joshua. Because Moses has already told him, you know, and encouraging and in front of the people, like the whole nation, like the Lord's going to do it. So now the Lord is speaking to Joshua. And in verse nine, he says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. You see the same verbiage there. Do not be terrified. The Lord, your God, the Yahweh Elohim will be with you wherever you halak. You see this over and over again. It's almost like the Lord is trying to get a point across to his people. He's trying to let them know you're not going to be afraid because you're going to walk through the fire. Do not be afraid. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to walk with you. Let's turn a few more books to First Chronicles 28.20. I'm trying to create a narrative here. First Chronicles 28.20. Because I want you to hear not just what the Lord is saying to the people in a book thousands of years ago. This is what the Lord is saying to us tonight. First Chronicles 28.20 David also said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. You see, David learned this from somewhere. He learned this verbiage verbiage from somewhere. He's heard this before. He's heard, do not be afraid. He's heard the Lord's going to be with you. And now he's taking these very words that are given to his people. And he's telling his son, you have a work to do. You're about to go and do a work that I don't even get to touch. Here's the plans. You do it. It's so grand. It's, I can't, I can't do it. The Lord said, I can't do it. But he's encouraging his son to not be afraid. He said, the Lord, your God, Yahweh Elohim will be with you as you go and do the work. So this narrative continues. Let's flip over to the Brit Hadashah 
if you will, in Luke 12. And by the way, most of these uh, instances of do not be afraid in the Septuagint are actually the same verb. I'm going to show you right here in Luke 12. This is actually the same word. In Luke 12, starting in verse 31. It says, but seek his kingdom and these things shall be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This has been a stronghold verse for our church for the past few years. Because the Lord is encouraging us. This is Jesus speaking, by the way, in case you didn't know. So Jesus is telling us, he's telling his disciples, he's telling us to not be afraid, little flock. Because the father is pleased to give us the kingdom. Let's make this a little more personal. He's pleased to give us the kingdom. But what does it take from us? Seek. That word seek. And the Greek is the word zeteo, means to seek in order to find. It's a verb, it's an action. So as we go, as we walk, as we seek out his kingdom, as we pursue his kingdom, as we advance his kingdom forcefully, he says, this is what I desire to give you. Do not be afraid. As you walk, I will be with you. As you walk through the fire, as you do what I've called you to do, as I give you the kingdom, do not be afraid, because I am pleased to give you the kingdom. So in this journey, in this journey to the promised land, in the task to build his temple, in the process of advancing his kingdom, the Lord promises us his presence and his power. As we walk, as we do what God has called us to do, as we're obedient to him, he promises to be with us through the fire. He will not leave us or forsake us as we walk through the fire. I'm thinking about the last message, strengthened in the face of fear. Matthew slapped you with a torpedo, encouraged us with a little saying. And I want to make sure that, that you get this, because I caught it on Sunday uh, up here with this beautiful wife. They were sharing with us. And uh, this is this is what came out. And I want to make sure that you get this, because I, I think I heard it twice, and I had to write it down. This is what he said. The father of our faith is also the father over our fears. I'm not talking about Abraham, father of faith. I'm talking about the father, heavenly father. The father of our faith is also the father over our fears. He's the father of our faith. He's the author. He is the perfecter of our faith. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. He is Yahweh Elohim. The father of our faith is also the father over our fears. Well, why does he have to be the father over our fears? Because because we're going to be afraid. I mean, this is the same vein that we're hearing. God God sandwiched it before us, uh, sandwiched it for them before, and He's telling us now, even in the message from Sunday, He is also the father over our fears. See, He's like a uh, like an eagle. With wings that cover over us. He's a canopy. He's a protector. He's a, he's a fortress. He's a stronghold. He's something that we can run to. Because the Lord knows that we're going to be afraid. He knows that we're going to see the circumstances around us. We're going to see the fire that's all around us. But the Father, He's the same Father over our fears. He's the same Father that's covering us, that's protecting us, that's sheltering us, that's hiding us in the shelter of His wings. Why is He the Father of our fears? Maybe because 
when we're not feeling so full of faith one day, we might actually get stuck in the mud. We might actually put ourselves in the mud. We might jump down to that pit. But we also know that he pulls us out of that miry clay. He pulls us out of that slimy pit and sets us on a firm foundation. Who is him? The rock, the firm foundation. He is the father over our fears. When the waters overtake us, I go back to Isaiah 40. It reminds me of Isaiah 43, verse 2. If waters are going to overtake us, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. So why is he the father over our fears? Because he knows we're going to have to walk through turbulent times. We're going to have to walk through waters with undercurrents and toes that that we don't, we're not expecting things that will pull us off of our feet, that will cause us to fear, that will cause us to doubt. But he is the father over our fears. He will cause us to walk through. And there's a, there's a little, little word in there too that, that I think sometimes we, we forget. It says when. When you pass through. When you pass through. When you walk through. The Lord's expecting us to walk through. It's not a either I get it or I don't. It says when you do, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But when we do, we can lean on him, the father of our faith and the father over our fears. Amen. So this is how our journey started. I'm going to tell you, be a little vulnerable with you guys. Uh, this, is, this is how the Lord encouraged us. And this was a little over two years ago. Um. The Lord told us not to be afraid, said he'd be with us. So we're going to rewind a little over two years ago. This is five days before Shiloh was born. It was a Tuesday night. Some of you were actually there. Uh, it was, it was, um, it was definitely labor pains. I mean, it was painful, um, but it was, uh, it was false labor. We had already called the pastor's wives. They were there. They were you know, all the signs were there to have this baby. No one knows how that feels, right? All the signs of having a baby. No. Anybody over in this general direction over here? Signs of having a baby. Everything's there. Contractions are there. But everything stopped. And all it just stopped. You know, like, no, this is this is it. This is this is how it how it has to be. And then there was an anxiousness that we had because it needed to happen. It needed to happen right then. These are the signs. Everybody's here. We got to make it happen right here, right now. This is it. But everything stopped. And so uh, Jen actually prayed over Natalie, told her to rest, keep seeking the Lord, and just trust, just trust in him. So as Natalie was praying, seeking the Lord, okay, what's going on, you know, because uh, women know their bodies better than anyone else. Um, and we still didn't know what was going on. This is what the Lord told her as she prayed. The Lord said, I will, I will fulfill this promise. Will you do it in my strength or in yours? And that's what the Lord told Natalie. And because we're one, he told us. He will fulfill the promise. But will we do it in our strength or in his and so what we thought, obviously, it was just about her being born, this process. Um, you know, it was it was time if it was time, you know, you know, when it's time to have a baby. But so we thought, OK, it's about when Shiloh's going to be born. We're going to have her. And, 
you know, and how this is going to line out and who all is going to be there or whatever. Um, you know, and this is, we're one of those, those people that, you know, inflates a pool in our living room, fills it with water. And we're one of those people that have the baby in their own house. That's us. So there was a, you know, we're, you know, we're committed. Uh, and there, there's a process to it. And so we thought, you know, that's, that's what this is for. That was our expectation. We expected that this was that word. Okay, Lord, we're going to trust you about how Shiloh is going to be born. Is it going to be a water birth? Is it going to, what was it? You know, like this is, this is where we're at. And, um, but what we didn't know is that the promise that he was giving us was in order to strengthen us for the fire that we were about to walk through. It was a moment that, uh, that we could look back on and we still look back on. And we lean on the promise of his strength at work within us. Just like he said in Isaiah 40 through Isaiah 43, he said, when, when you walk through this fire, he said, don't be afraid. When you walk through this fire, I will be with you. I'm the Lord, your God. Is everyone getting a clear picture of what maybe walking through the fire is looking like? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a, there was a burning word that was shared uh, a couple, a few weeks ago. It started the One Association Conference, and the ladies were able to, to re-partake of that word again uh, at a ladies' teaching. And I want to take a look at that because it was, uh, it was a very timely word of what it means to be surrounded by the fire but not being burned up. And so if you will turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Since we were already there tonight, in verse 9, let's just go back up to verse 1. And let's have this conversation from the beginning of the chapter. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through that was, uh, that through that bush was on, that though it was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why this does not burn up. So when the Lord saw that it, he had, he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. He said, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So I don't want to make this just about a shrubbery. I want to make this uh, very personal. So when we mention um, from here on out, we're going to talk about this uh, this shrub, this whatever it was. Uh, it is a life that is consumed by the presence of God. Is consumed by the fire of God. So we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about our lives. You see the life that was there in the desert, on the backside of the desert. It was willing. The sight was beautiful, even though that life could not see outside of its current state. So you have this life that's life that's on fire, that's that's burning, but it's not being consumed. And Moses is drawn to it. This life, it was intriguing. The burning was intriguing to others. It drew people in. It drew Moses in. 
drew him into a place. I mean, he's he's doing his thing. He's working. This is what he figure he's supposed to do. But something's pulling him in because it's not burning up. It's on fire. It's clearly on fire, but it's not burning up. So it draws him in. And he brings him in. And, of course, we just read that as he as he stands in front of it, the angel of the Lord spoke through it, through the burning, and gave Moses direction and told him, this is my plan for you. This is my plan. This is what I want you to do. And we talked about the rest of that conversation earlier. So let's make it a little more personal. What does your life look like when you are on fire? When you're walking through the fire, when you're surrounded by the fire, what does your life look like? Are people drawn to you when you're on fire? Or are you like one of those maniacs that's flailing around that's, you know, and those just, I'm on fire, I'm on fire, running around. And they they really don't want to be around you because they're afraid they're going to get burned too. What What do our lives look like when it's on fire? Are people drawn to you? see, Moses was drawn to this life that was on fire. And when he got close, close enough to see what was actually going on, the Lord spoke to him. He spoke life, gave him direction, gave him wisdom from heaven. When people see you on fire, do they hear wisdom from heaven in the midst of what feels like chaos? Or do they just hear complaining? See, wisdom from heaven is not being consumed. Even though you're on fire, it's not being consumed. Complaining is being consumed. So when you're on fire, you're running around like an idiot saying you're on fire. Of course you're on fire. You're clearly on fire. But what do people hear? What do people see? What do people hear when you're on fire? You see, we have a chance to be the beauty of the Lord that draws people close enough to hear his voice and receive life changing direction. And this direction wasn't just for him wasn't just for Moses. This was a life-changing direction that changed the course of a nation. He went back to Egypt and delivered the people to go to a promised land that they will fully inherit one day. Living there now, but they're going to fully inherit it one day. So being drawn to this fire has changed the course of history for thousands of years. What are people going to see when you're on fire? Are they going to get a revelation from heaven? Are they going to see some crazy person flailing around, complaining that they're on fire when you're clearly on fire? Let's be the life that gives direction, that gives revelation, that changes the course of history. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Continue this train of thought in Philippians 2, verse 14. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. See, Paul's encouraging us when we do, when we walk, when the course is set before us and we're doing things, do it without complaining or arguing. It doesn't say it's going to be easy. Obviously, if there's an opportunity to complain or argue, it's going to be hard. 
something's going to be hard. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be fires on either side of you or right in front of you. But do it without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. So that fire doesn't consume you, but it purifies you. And that fire actually makes you shine like the stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life, see that that life that was uh, that was on the mountain of the Lord that Moses was in front of was like a shining star. And life came out of it. Life-giving direction came out of that. This is Paul encouraged. He, he could have very well been thinking about that as he's writing this. A shining star in the distance that speaks life to all those that see it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. You guys good? There's still no clock on the wall, so... Second Corinthians four, starting in verse 16 says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, when we look at the fire that we walk through. That's something that's outward. That's something that is seen. If we keep our eyes focused on the circumstances, we're going to be consumed. We're going to be burned up. And we're not going to be of any use to ourselves, to our families, or to the people around us. But if we focus inwardly on the things that are unseen and trust that through that fire as we walk through, the Lord is purifying us. He's making us a vessel of honor, something that can be used for Him We can actually be of help, not only to ourselves and our families, but all the people that are around us. You see, the fire that we are walking through is temporary, but the results it yields are eternal. Do you want those eternal results? I do. In the message, Fighting for Your Inheritance by the Gabes, the Sons of Thunders, Sons of Thunder, we see that the internal and external struggles, whether it be fear or whether it be actual birds of prey, those struggles allow us to rely on a faithful God to gain that inheritance. Abraham couldn't do anything. He's out cold. You know, he had to rely on the Lord to fulfill the vow and to do his thing. And the message, unfinished business. By Rick, laughing at the devil, Lahan. Where are you, Rick? There you are. We learned that the reports and tauntings of our enemies about the burned stones that lay before us only strengthen our resolve to finish the task God has put in our hands. And the message, married to your work, by Chris, the devil destroyer, Rosora. You like that? He encouraged us with a couple of scriptures that I'm about to share that walking through the fire has a purpose. There's a reason that we walk through the fire. So let's turn to one of those in 1 Corinthians 3. You're not too far from there. Just another book ahead, back. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 13. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, Costly stones, wood, 
hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Another scripture he shared with us is Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-one. You turn there quickly. Proverbs 27, 21 says the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But man is tested by the praise he receives. So we walk through the fire. There's a purpose. There's a reason for it. The purpose of the fire is to test what is inside of us. It's to test the products we've been using to build the kingdom. We hear that language even in Deuteronomy chapter 8. The reason why the children walk. Why the children of Israel walked through the wilderness. Why did they walk through the wilderness? To test them. To see where their hearts were going to be. To see if they were truly and fully committed to the Lord. It wasn't because he just wanted them to walk around for 40 years. He was testing them to see where their hearts were. So when I ask you tonight, and I'm still asking myself, which kingdom have you been building? Because the fire is going to test what's inside of us. It's going to test our reactions. It's going to test how we interact with people. It's going to test the products that we've been using to build the kingdom. What products have we been using to build the kingdom? Because it will be revealed by fire. And I would much rather have it revealed now than later because it will be revealed. Lord, please bring the fire now. Reveal the hay, the stubble, the things that can easily burn away. Because I want something pure to bring to the king of kings. I want a crown of glory to bring to him. I don't want something that's useless. So, Lord, please reveal it now. So when we, add, when we walk through the fire, the purpose is to reveal those things that will burn away. So let's let it be now. Amen. Let's move on to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to camp here just for a little bit. Let's uh, pick up in verse 25. And uh, I'm going to read from the screen because my Bible was purchased many years ago before I turned 40. And the print is not as friendly to me. Yeah. I'm holding out for those glasses. I don't know. Daniel 3 verses 25. And then we're going to talk about some... Uh, some unintended benefits of walking through the fire. Because, I mean, the fire is hard. It's not easy. It's not, it's not a walk through the park. It's not, uh, it's not a skip through the coals like maybe we saw some of those, some of those pictures. Fire is hard. So let's uh, read Daniel 3, verse 25. He said, Look, I see these four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Next verse. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. I I thought he just erected a statue to himself. I thought he was the Most High God in his eyes. Well, apparently the fire changes things. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. We'll pause right there. 
a few a few uh, unintended benefits. We know we know the story pretty well about uh, the three Hebrew slaves. Um, one of the the unintended benefits is that the fire it actually killed their captors. Uh, when they, their enemies bound them up and threw them into the fire, it actually consumed them. So it actually revealed. It didn't consume Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It consumed the armed guards that threw them in. So this fire actually brought revelation. It revealed who the true enemy was. The fire they were able to enter into became death for the enemies of God. You see, in our own lives, the fire burns away the things or sometimes even the people that were out to harm us. That fire, they killed the enemies. It brings revelation of who the true enemy is. I'm not talking about just people. Let's, let's get beyond that. The entrappings of this world, uh, the enemy, uh, the roaring lion, like a roaring lion out there trying to devour us, coming to steal, kill, and destroy. It reveals who the true enemy is, and it protects us. It's that added protection. We see that back in Isaiah 43, verse 2. When we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. We will not be consumed by the flame. Another unintended benefit of walking through the fire is that it brought true freedom. See, that fire burned the cords that bound them, and they were able to walk around. In our lives, the fire burns away the entangling sin that was meant to bind us up, and it gives us true freedom. Do we want to walk around in freedom? And we got to go through the fire. Another unintended benefit of walking through the fire is that it brings God's presence. You see, there was a fourth man in the fire with them. They went in as three, and they came out as four. See, in our lives, the fire allows for us to cry out to God. Because it's not, again, it's not an easy thing. I, I doubt very seriously that they were skipping into the furnace. As, in fact, the armed guards had them bound and was, they were throwing them into. I mean, their, their flesh is, is whining and squealing and not wanting to do that. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I have some resolve, but I don't want to, if I'm getting thrown into a fire, I'm not going to go without a fight. You know, so the fires, the fire is, uh, is not an easy thing. But as they went in, the fire allows us for to cry out to God. And when we cry out to him, he shows up. I'm sure they cried out to the Lord. Said, Lord, save us. Lord, help us. They made a statement before. And even if the Lord doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you, Nebuchadnezzar. They were resolved. But there's a cry that has to go out to the Lord. And the Lord hears our cries. And the Lord shows up. So it's worth it to go through the fire. For the Lord to show up, it's worth it to go through the fire. Let's carry on in chapter 3 and verse 28 through the end of the chapter. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, this is the guy at the beginning of the chapter uh, built a statue in his image and had everyone bow down to him. So you see a little change going on. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants... They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces 
and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. A couple of other unintended benefits of being in the fire is that it brings repentance. Because they walk through the fire. And there's nothing they did. It was like the promise in Isaiah 43. He said, don't fear. I'm going to be with you when you walk through the fire. I'm going to walk with you through that fire. And he actually walked through the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it brought repentance. Repentance to Nebuchadnezzar who who praised the Lord God of the Hebrews, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see a heart change. And it also brought promotion. It says that he appointed them, uh, promoted them in the province of Babylon. And that's not the reason why. But we do want to have something to offer the Lord. We do want gold and silver refined in the fire, purified. We don't want something that's going to burn up. Because when we see the Lord one day, everything that we have, the books that are written down, books about everything that we've done, are going to be presented before him. All of our works are going to be presented before him. I want something that's pure. I want something that's been tested, that's been tried to present before my king of kings. That is the reward. And it's nothing that they did. I mean, they didn't... They didn't have a fireproof suit that they put on before they jumped in. It's nothing they, they did of their own. It was the Lord that did it. And what a faithful God that we have. It wasn't just enough to bring them out of the fire. He actually, the enemy promoted them after coming out of the fire. They didn't deserve that. I mean, they were just probably hoping to get out of the fire and the Lord favored them. The Lord's hand was upon them. So I read this story Ah, oh, five or six years ago. And uh, you ever have one of those epiphanies? You know, like just, oh man, this is so good. This is great. And you, you know, you want to share it with people. And, you know, it's like, this is a great revelation, you know. And uh, about five years ago, this was my prayer after reading this. Like, Lord, I want the fire. Bring the fire. Lord, I want to see your face. I want to, whatever. We sing songs about it. Fire fall down. We, we want to be consumed. Uh, we write songs about it, you know, it's, we want the fire of God. And so I'm, I'm in this, in this, Lord, I want the fire. Whatever it takes, Lord, to get to your presence, whatever it takes to see your face. And, uh, little did I know that that was the beginning of a journey. See, when you ask for something, if you seek it, you find it. If you ask, you will receive. And, uh, it wasn't my expectation. We talked about expectations earlier. I asked for the fire, and I got it. But it was the beginning of a journey, and I'm thankful for the fire. You see, when I asked for the fire, almost immediately, uh, things around seemed to catch on fire. Not literally, but, uh, you know, we, there were deaths in the family. Uh, and then we're just grouping the last five years, there were, there were spiritual deaths in the family. There were defections. There were, you know, the fire consumes away things that won't last. It burns it up. And it's, it's hurtful. It's hard. 
And we want to be found pure in His sight. We want to be in the presence of the Lord Almighty. For us, it also showed up in the form, just like we talked about earlier. Walking through the fire brought repentance of Nebuchadnezzar. For us, this uh, journey of walking through the fire, it brought repentance in our hearts, in our lives. Um, not just uh, between me and my wife. Sometimes, sometimes that's easy to do behind closed doors. Behind, you know, like, okay, honey, I forgive you. Now let's... Uh, Let's go make things right, you know. Sometimes that can be easy, but when the, the, the doors aren't closed and when your sin affects more than just you and your family and affects other people, um, there's it, it becomes public. And we went through a season because we had things that were binding us up. There were cords that were entangling us. They were entrapping us. There was... Uh, isolation, there was selfish ambition, there was pride, there were things that were binding us up and we needed to go through the fire to have freedom. And we needed it in a public fashion. That's not something that we wanted. We didn't want to, we, we didn't want to do that. But the Lord, the Lord has a plan for us. And, uh, the same as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know, Lord, and if we don't survive this, we're still going to do it. We're still going to walk through the fire. And there was a word that uh, that Brent gave um, in the midst of that. And uh, he didn't even know what he was saying. He said he, he prayed over us and prophesied over us. We were just praying. We were just, oh, God, help us. And... Um, he said, you, you are temple stones, uh, but I'm pulling you out because stones that need to be worked on can't be worked on near the temple. They have to be taken outside of the camp. So he said, I'm taking you outside of the camp. I'm removing you from the wall. I'm going to take you outside of the camp. I'm going to work on you, but I'm going to put you back in place for the use of the kingdom, back into the temple. So it was a season that we had to be pulled out. And the Lord is placing us back into the right place, into the temple of the Lord. And uh, there's another little little uh, jaunt through the fire that, that we uh, partook of a little over two years ago. See, I told you about the promise that the Lord gave us. He said, basically, take your hands off, off of, not we thought it was just the birth, uh, take your hands off of Shiloh. I'm going to do this in my strength, not in yours. And so we began uh, this journey. And um, this journey began in our home. And uh, for those of you that don't know, just share a little bit. When, when Shiloh was born in our living room, because we're those kind of people, our midwife um, took Shiloh and looked at her. And uh, the pastor's wives were there. They can they can account for this. Um, there was just something. I don't know. There was just something. We were happy. We were excited. We we're like we just had a baby, and it was it was hard. Man, that was so hard pushing that baby on. It hurt. It hurt so bad. We're excited. We're just excited parents. We're like, man, we're just man that baby coming out. You know, babies get squishy heads and all that kind of stuff. 
We didn't think much of it. Our, our midwife takes Shiloh and, you know, thinks she's doing measurements and weights and all that kind of stuff that happens when you have a baby that you guys are going to enjoy soon in the name of Jesus. And uh, she makes some calls and uh, Natalie goes back to the room and, and uh, she brings me in. And she tells me, um, I made some calls. You're going to need to go to the hospital sooner than later. Uh, there's nothing immediately wrong right now, but, but your daughter, um, she had, she has a smaller head than usual. And so, uh, it's, it's a condition called microcephaly could be caused by a number of things. Um, it's a really broad brush stroke that you just, you know, we, we don't know, you know, and so like, wow. You know, telling me what, you know, you know, all the could be's. And so in that moment, um, standing there and, uh, I think by that time of the pastors, you guys are all there too. And man, um, so I had, I had a choice, um, turned around because I had to tell my wife what was going on. All those conversations you really don't want to have. Uh, ever, and I don't want anyone to ever have those conversations. But I, I so I turned around, and the old house we we're in, walked down this hallway. To the left is our bedroom. To the right was Emmeline's room. Walking down the hallway, walking down the hallway. God, I have no idea what's about to happen. So instead of talking to my wife, I go into Emmeline's room. The kids are they're gone. They're not there. Uh, you don't want kids there when you're having a baby. That's just awkward. So I went into to uh, Emmeline's bedroom, and I just, man, I hit the floor. You know, God, what a, I have no idea. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I said, Lord, just, you got to do this. You know, and he's probably thinking, I told you that five days ago that I would do that. So I get up from off my knees. I didn't know I was on my knees, but I was actually walking through the fire. Went to the opposite room, talked to Natalie, and and, uh, she kind of knew something was going on. So we packed things up, and we began our journey through the fire. Went to the hospital, you know, they, they admit you, they hook you up to all kinds of stuff and, and, uh, immediately they're, you know, going through tests. Uh, ironically enough, one of the tests that they were doing to look for, um, diseases and, um, uh, infection, infectious disease, that kind of stuff like that. It's called the fire test. Like five major, um, infectious diseases or something that trying to figure out what's going on. It's actually did a fire test on Shiloh while we were there in the hospital. So, the next time I'm actually by myself, um, back in the, you know, Ronald McDonald room for the parents and, um, Natalie's with Shiloh and, man, we're exhausted. Been up all night because that was at 12 something when Shiloh was born. This is the next night. Again, I hit my knees. I cry out to God and, and I'm not going to ask because I know some of you have been there. I know we, we, we're family. We know each other's stories. We've been there. And you just dropped your knees and you said, God, what? God, you got to do this. You, I mean, I, I, I don't like hospitals. I'm here. This is, I mean, we, we had, we had a, we had a birth at home. Why are we in a hospital now? You know, this is, was not the plan. 
and just crying out to God the most desperate I've ever been. Asking God, Lord, you got to figure this out. Like, I, I mean, help, help me, please. Be the husband, be the father, be the man that I'm supposed to be. Because I can't do this. I can't do this. So I get up, and actually in the midst of that, I had a brother text me and like, hey, can I come up and visit you? I'm like, okay, yeah, come on up. And it was, um, it was refreshing. It was, it was of the Lord, you know, and the Lord answers in, in different ways. And um, so we began this journey. After five days there, they couldn't find anything wrong. Ran all the tests. Um, I called at that time. The pastors were, were out on their sabbatical. So I, I called and I mean, they did, uh, what, a CT on their, on their brain. I mean, all the eye tests, ear tests, everything came back normal. Everything came back. Why are we still here in the hospital? So when I called them, we rejoiced. Everything's normal. There's nothing going on that we know of, you know, and so we were out of the hospital. Uh, again, you know, on my knees walking through the fire. And so began this journey. And you guys have been with us. We've, we've heard, um, we've heard all the reports. Uh, you know what walking through the fire looks like when, when, uh, people say, you know, she'll never, oh, she'll never do this. Well, you know, we're, we're at, uh, you know, at a doctor's appointment looking at a, you know, talking about brain stuff that's going on. Uh, we had one doctor saying, you know, her head will never grow. And she, there was a season where she actually stopped eating. She, her, she stopped growing. She was always below the curve. But I mean, when you see that flat line for six weeks, seven weeks, and you're like, it's, you know, you go back to that promise. The Lord said, do not fear. I'm the Lord your God. I will be with you when you walk through the fire. Amen. You go back to that promise. We've had Psalms 27 as a near and dear scripture to us. While we're in the hospital, uh, I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The Lord gave that to us in something we still lean on today. So we have people telling us she's not going to do this. We're looking at brain stuff, and then they come in like, oh, she's got a tethered spine. She probably won't ever walk. Like, wait, 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 we're here at a neurologist, and now you're telling us she's not going to walk? Like, what? what's going on? And so, you know, doctors, well, she's never going to, never going to eat, never going to, she'll need a G-tube and all this kind of, I mean, all those reports. And um, I say all this, um, I'll let you in. You, you guys know our story. Uh, you've been with us. You are our family. Um. You've walked with us through the fire with us, you know, and, and the beautiful thing is, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, the doctor said she's, she'll need a tube. She's never going to eat. I want to pre-apologize because Shiloh's going to come up and take whatever you're eating out of your hand and she's going to stuff it in her mouth because my child eats. It's, it's been a walk and, uh, to encourage you guys as, as we, you know, as, as parents, as new parents, you're about to find out you're going to have like two zillion pictures of this kid. Take pictures of the first steps. But the first time that she actually walked, I mean, she'd taken some steps, but, 
It's just a Wednesday night. Uh, not just a Wednesday night, but it, where it's a Wednesday night, we're here, she's over there, she's, you know, wants to let go. We're like, okay, well, she'll just stand there. She's not going to do anything. That was our expectation. She's going to do what she's keep on doing. She walks. She just starts walking, takes off from the kids' room, walks to the hallway, walks to the kitchen, comes in here and finds me. I'm like, what, what just happened? What just happened? And so Shiloh's walking, and you see her now. You'll see her after church. She's walking, but what was that? The report that said she'll never walk, she'll never eat? Yeah. No. So ask me, is the fire worth it? Go ahead, ask me. Is it? Yes! Yes, it's worth it. Just wanted you to ask me a question. A few more scriptures. Again, the clock's still not on the wall. So, uh, Jeremiah six twenty seven. You don't have to turn there. You can pull up on the screen. Um, very dear uh, regarding the fire. Uh, very dear scripture to us. Before we showed up here to LCM, uh, the Lord had given Natalie a dream, and uh, one of the friends that we know actually spoke Jeremiah six out of his mouth. It was. That he spoke, but the word showed up. So we're digging into Jeremiah 6. But what are you trying to tell us? A few weeks later, we're at our first service at LCM. Um, after the worship's over, uh, Pastor Eric gets up and says that this is a place where God is bringing precious gems and stones. And the Lord is bringing them here so they can be tested, they can be polished, and they can be put back to use for the work of the kingdom. And we're looking at each other, we're like... And I was like, what? That sounds really familiar. I was like, that's Jeremiah 6. It made you a tester of metal. Of course that sounds familiar. That made you a tester of metal. So that was the beginning of that journey as we begin to be tested. Uh, and this is, uh, in case you didn't know already, uh, this place is a little bit of a testing ground. You might, uh, you might get burned once or twice or a few times, but for your own good. My, my kids have gotten into this habit of saying, burn. And I'm like, what, what? I mean, that's like 1980s, but they want to say burn, you know, when they say something. And it's not even, they didn't actually burn them, but it was just different. But this is, this is a place of testing. This, uh, this, this body is a tester of metals because God wants to purify you. Amen. He wants you to walk through the fire and he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you because he wants you to be something that's used for noble purposes. So if you have a devilish thought of leaving this place, rebuke it in Jesus' name because God is purifying you and he's doing something in you to uh, to be able to affect this world. Since, uh, let's turn to Nehemiah 4 since we're, um, most of the last eight messages have had something to do with Nehemiah 4. And it's, uh, I enjoy reading this book. It's just a fun book to read. Nehemiah 4, uh, just verses 1 and 2. It says, When Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Can they? So the, the, the question, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? 
That word, that back to life, that word life is uh, the Hebrew word chaya. Did I get it right? Okay. I haven't had any milk today, so I had to work that up. Chaya means to revive, restore to life, uh, to be quickened, to have health. Um, he posed the question, can these stones, these burnt stones be brought back to life? You answer the question. You see, being a burnt stone is not a bad thing. You may feel like it. It may hurt in the time. You may feel like your whole world is turned upside down. I mean, that's exactly what happened there. They're looking at these walls that are, that are knocked down. They're heaps of rubble. Uh, and the stones are burned. The world, they're literally the world is turned upside down for that stone. But being a burnt stone is not a bad thing because being a burnt stone allows you to be revived and restored by the very breath of God and to be built into an immovable, unshakable spiritual house to display God's splendor. First Peter 2 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. Do you guys want to be built up? Yes. Do you guys want to have walls of steel? Yes. yes, I want to have walls of steel. Revelation 20 verse 4 says, I saw the thrones on which were seated those who had been authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. I think, I think beheaded qualifies for walking through the fire. Pretty sure that's uh, the pinnacle of walking through the fire. You've walked through the fire when you've lost your head. But it's because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God that they did that. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark or on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. You see these very stones, these precious stones that actually lost their head walking through the fire were brought back to life to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ for a thousand years. You see, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. Even death was not a strong enough fire to keep these souls, these saints from ruling in authority with Christ. So... I guess the question of the night is probably, how do we do this? How do we walk through the fire? I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to John chapter 15. Got a few more scriptures. We're dropping in altitude. The seatbelt signs are back on. And uh, in verse 5, again, I'm going to read from the screen to help me out. It says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. See, I was uh, uh, I was going over the message today in my head, because that's what you do. And uh, I was raking the leaves in the front yard, because... That's what you do when you walk through the fire and you're working a sales job and you don't have any sales leads for the week. You rake the leaves in the front yard. And as I'm pulling the dead leaves back uh, that I'd piled up, um, you know, you do that for a reason. It's not because I enjoy it, not because I like it. 
I'm not even getting paid for it. Uh, it just has to be done. Diligent hands, right? And so um, I'm thinking about it. All these leaves are dead. What happens if I leave them in place? It smothers the life underneath. Have you ever left something in the grass too long? It kills the grass. It kills it. If all these leaves stay, all these dead things that look, I mean, they look pretty. One time they were a couple of different colors. We don't get that many colors in Houston, but we get like two. So they were pretty at one time. They actually look nice. So I'm raking up these dead leaves because there's life that needs to bloom. There's life that needs to grow that's underneath. So I'm thinking about this scripture uh, and how we walk through the fire. Because if we don't want to be those dead leaves, those twigs that get thrown into the fire and get consumed by the fire, how do we walk through the fire? We remain in him. We let his word remain in us. You see, we don't take time away from him because life gets hard. When we get in the fire, we don't jump out like some kind of charismatic, spastic Christian. Oh, it's hard. Oh, oh, whoa, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, I don't know if I want to do that. Oh, whoa, whoa. I don't have any sales this week. Oh, uh, let me go look for something else, another job. Life's hard. My boss doesn't like me. He wants me to do his job for him. Let me go look for something else. You know, Man, that's a good word. I don't know where that's coming from. We don't take time away. We don't take time away from him because life gets hard. We draw close to him. We walk through the fire connected to him. We remain in him. And he said he will remain in us. He will be, it's that same promise from Isaiah 43. He will remain with us. He will walk through with us. Another way that we walk through the fire. In Nehemiah 8 verses 10 through 12. We'll read it from the screen for the sake of time. That's quick. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. So what had just happened? They're reading the law in front of all the people. And it's just, I mean, this is the law, man. It's hard. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Next verse. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. So you hear that same verbiage. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. You see, the one way that we we, we understand, uh, what, did I miss a verse? Number 12, sorry. It says, then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. You see, they were, they were a little depressed. They were grieved. It says, don't grieve because they were grieving. They heard the words of the law. They didn't necessarily understand what was going on. They think this is too hard of a thing. This is too hard of a task. This fire is going to burn. But when they understood the words, when the words were made known to him, them, they were able to walk. They were able to go. They were able to move. Now that we understand the words that have been made known to us, we walk in the strength of the joy of the Lord. So how do we walk through the fire? We walk through the fire in joy. As this joy strengthens us. Philippians 2.17 But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You see, we walk through the fire with gladness and rejoicing, but we also don't do it alone. We don't do this life alone. This testimony that we have uh, with Shiloh, with our lives, it's, Shiloh's not our test. It's not the Moloch testimony. It belongs to this body. You guys have walked through this journey with us and will continue to walk through with us. This is our testimony. This is our journey. That we are going through. And we do it together. And we do it with gladness and rejoicing. 
There's a phrase that's been bouncing around our house. Um, uh, thankfulness leads to faithfulness. And if you want to know about more about thankfulness that leads to faithfulness, talk to the uh, beautiful brunette on the front row in the mustard-colored cardigan. She'll tell you about that. So when I think of some firewalkers, let's let's think about that that term firewalkers. What is it like to walk to the fire? There, there's a few names that, that popped up. I think of I think of Nick and Sam. You guys have walked through the fire. Continue to walk through and you'll continue to walk through fires. Wherever the Lord and you do it with joy. You do it with gladness. You do it with a thankful heart. I think of Mario and Alicia. You walk through the fire. You when we didn't know what to do, man, we're like, Mario and Alicia can do it, we can do it. We can do it. We saw we saw the the we saw your lives on fire, but you were not consumed. You were not consumed. And you encouraged us and you brought life to us to let us know that we could still do it. That we could still walk through the fire. I think of John and Joy, firewalkers, being reminded every month that the promise still hasn't come. We walked with you guys, we prayed with you guys, and the promise came, and then it came again. And maybe it'll come again, huh? Maybe. But we saw you do it with joy, and that's the point. When you walk through the fire, if you're going to be a testimony, you do it with joy. A glad and sincere heart. <laughs> when I think of another firewalker, a firewalking couple, I think of Damien and Tamika. Guys are walking through the fire. You can do it. You can do it. The Lord is faithful. He will not fail us. He says, do not fear. I will be with you. I am your God. And I will be with you. There's firewalkers in this room. This is my last scripture. James 1. Verses 2 through 4. At this point, this is a very familiar scripture. I'm sure you already have it highlighted. Three different colors. And I'm going to expound a little bit as I read. James 1. Verse 2 says, consider it pure joy or complete joy. See, I don't want to be incomplete. I don't want to be lacking anything. I want to be complete. I want my joy to be complete. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials, when you face adversities or afflictions sent by God, serving to test or prove one's character, faith, and holiness. Whenever you face those trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing or the provoking of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not like anything. Church, is God provoking you to greater faith? Is your character being proven genuine through adversity, through the fire? Can these burned stones come back to life? Can they? Can they? Is your wall only half built? Don't stop short. There's more work to do. Do not stop short. Don't let the incremental heat deter you from the course. What if one more 
death, one more defection, one more ungodly doctor's report would have stopped us in our tracks. Where would we be today? We wouldn't be standing here today. Keep walking through the fire. Will you allow God to walk you through the fire just to catch one more glimpse of him and his faithfulness towards you? I will. Will you? Amen. Man, I enjoy when people bring a word from their own life. It goes way beyond eloquence. It is the Spirit's impact upon the Molochs having an impact upon us, huh? So I came from um, a long ways away to be here tonight. And as we stood to worship today, some of you had the singe of ashes upon you. Working hard to endure the fire. I call your names, but sometimes people get mad when I do that. So instead, I just say, you definitely know who you are. You're sitting next to a spouse that's unhappy. You're trying to be happy, but just not happy with where you're at in life. There is a method to God's process. It's happening. He's refining us. I want to put Zechariah 2 verse 3 on the screen while the angel who was speaking to me was leaving another angel came to meet him run tell that young man Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it and I myself will be a wall of fire around it before we get to the next part did you hear in the Moloch's testimony fire eliminates the superfluous it really does it's got a way of shaping and sculpting you when you don't know where your income is going to come from you stop fighting about the color of the carpet (laughs) when you want to produce life And nothing you do makes it happen and you have to depend on the Lord. You stop worrying about your 401k. Fire is put there to focus you in the revelation that he's put in your open hand. That's what it's for. But that's not the only thing that it's for. And I I will be its glory within. See, fire reveals something inside of you sometimes it reveals God's glory other times it reveals what needs to be cut away so that you can see God's glory there is no genuine Christian family in this room that is not in the fire because this is how he refines all of us the question is really is what is that fire doing Is it consuming you or is it refining you? If you walked in here tonight and joy was a rare commodity for you, if your face did not look like an advertisement for Christianity, 
might need to consider that the process you're going through is so that God's glory would be revealed. That's what it's for. We're not talking about just faking it. We're talking about embracing it. Because I don't know whether you caught it in the story, but Shiloh walks. I don't know whether you caught it in the story, but Joy has not just one child, but two. I don't know whether you caught it in the story, but Steve and Joy have a child that they weren't supposed... I don't know whether you are realizing it, but the end of the fire is something that is beautiful. Something that nobody can take from you. This ministry was more than founded in fire. It burns here all of the time. That fire eliminates the superfluous. It reveals God's glory, but it does something else. It protects you. If you have no adversity in your life, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. You think you would, but it's when you're in victory that you become self-confident, that you fall on your face. It's when you're in the fire that you become God-reliant and He can exalt you. We need this in our lives. So whatever you think fire is, let me tell you, it's not your problem. It's your perfection. Peter understood it. He said, our faith is being refined like gold and fire. Yeah? Let's stand to our feet. Let's rise to that refining process. More than just pledging not to complain. More than pledging to strap a smile on your weary face. What if you took these minutes just to examine honestly whether you're as faithful to the process as God is faithful to the process in your life? If you're waiting for a time that there is no fire, that doesn't exist this side of the millennial reign. We're aiming for perfection. That's a high goal. You will spend your entire life walking through the fire, but... You get to decide whether you want to do it. Seeing it as God benefiting you or doing it as God punishing you. And that's a choice you get to make tonight. I've watched some of you overcome incredible things. And I want to tell you, you're better for it. That means that some of you that are still in the middle of incredible things, you'll be better for it, I promise. I've loved the Molochs a long time, but I love them more this year than I did last and the year before that and the year before because they're being refined. I want to encourage you to embrace what God's doing in your life. He is a benevolent Father. He is only bringing into your life what it takes to make you into the man or woman of God He's called you to be. That's it. we could embrace that then every day becomes a blessing instead of drudgery did you walk in with a little drudgery on you because you can walk out shiny and perfected okay. Bim come and pray for us
As Ben prays for us, we're going to go into worship. You leave as you need to leave. Father, we want to thank you for this word. Lord, we're asking now in this moment. Father, we're asking for your spirit. We're asking for you to come and refine our hearts right now, Lord God. Jesus, we lay everything bare before you. Father, we are transparent before you. We say, Father, we just sift our hearts. We just sift our lives, Lord God, because we know that everything you are doing in this moment is to qualify us, Lord God, and not disqualify us. So, Father, we ask as we lay down our lives before you, Father, would you speak? Would you blow, Lord God? Father, we ask that may those dry bones be alive again, Lord God. Father, have your way in this room. Spirit of the living God, breathe upon us tonight.